Hi, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm Rob Alvarez. And this is Kathy Wynn. Each week, we aim to bring you amazing stories from everyday people who are taking on life's challenges, both big and small, and along the way, doing good for others. We hope you enjoy these intimate conversations, and thank you so much for listening. In this episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Kelly Terrell. Kelly is the Director of Research Communications at University of Wisconsin-Madison and an accomplished ultra runner. Over the past four years, she has made it on the podium in several ultra marathons, earning the top spot in three of those races. Please enjoy our candid conversation with Kelly as she runs through the ups and downs of life and makes the most of her privilege to run. Hi, Kelly. Such a privilege to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Rob. I'm really honored to be here. So I know it's an understatement to say that you are an accomplished runner, having uh, made it to top podium finishes in several races since you started uh, ultramarathons in 2015. In fact, your first ultramarathon race, you ended up winning the whole thing, which was the 2015 North Face Endurance Challenge. And you also won the 2016 Dances with Dirt 50K and a 50 miler in 2018, um, which was the Marquette Trail. So I would assume that running is a big part of your life. So when did you get started with running and how? Yeah, um, I feel like I've been pretty lucky to go show up and, and put in the runs. And, and on some days, it turns out really well. So um, I think for that, I'm really fortunate. And I think unlike a lot of people, I didn't start running when I was younger. I didn't run cross country. I, I wasn't running every season of track. I will say I did run one season of track in middle school, but I was a soccer player and that, that really took precedence for me. It was actually in 2006. Um, I was living in Philadelphia and I had moved there with uh, somebody I had been dating for several years and we were about six months away from our, um, wedding and he broke things off rather unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I basically started running as a coping mechanism after that breakup. It was pretty disruptive and, uh, somebody I was working with at the time sort of challenged me to get out and run. And I don't think I recommend this for most people, but uh, I recall vividly the day he asked me, and this was, you know, in the days after my breakup, this coworker says, so what do you think about running a half marathon? And a per- as a person who was not a runner, I had run, I would like to say that I have never, I had never run more than three miles on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I probably ran more than that um, as a soccer player, right, on and off the field. But yeah, other than that one season of track where I had to do one three mile run, I had never run further than that. And so he he asked if I want to do this half marathon. And I said, how far is that? And he (laughs) told me 13.1 miles. And I'm pretty sure my jaw hit the floor and, you know, my brain went, heck no, why would I do that? (laughs) But I was also in a, a pretty interesting place in life and, you know, the gears were turning a little bit and I said, well, when is it? And he said, oh, it's two weeks from now. <laughs> Holy cow, really? <laughs> yes. Oh um, but I went ahead and, went and said, sure, I'll go for it. So, you know, started off with a, a 30 minute run was my very first um, time putting on the running shoes and, and hitting the pavement. Other than the few times in college, I'd like hit a treadmill and felt proud of myself. But and that kind of did it for me. I, I t- 
train for two weeks and I did that half marathon. It was the Philadelphia distance run. And I really had a great time and I decided I wanted to do it again, but on purpose (laughs) with more than two months or two weeks of training. So I set my sights on the Philadelphia half marathon, which was just a couple of months later. And, um, I really enjoyed the training. I shaved 20 minutes off of my time in in two months, which was also very gratifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, so so I did it. And, and that was kind of that I, I dove right in with my first marathon about two months later. And, uh, you know, there have been some, some peaks and valleys for sure, but yeah, I, I really got into running because I had a, a pretty disruptive life situation and it was a really positive, healthy way for me to manage that. And it's now just part of my lifestyle. So how did you end up transitioning from the half marathon kind of road races into more of trail running and ultra marathons, which is over 26 miles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people people are like, what is an ultra marathon? Yeah, anything over a marathon, it could be 26.8 miles, right? <laughs> it could be 100 miles. <laughs> could be 100 miles. I know a lot of people would say, oh, 26. It ha- You have to run at least 50 to make it an ultra. So it seems to me, you know, the distances keeps growing when it when you're referring to yourself as an ultra marathoner or ultra runner. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I said, oh, yeah, I... I've done a couple of ultras, and I'll say, yeah, I did a 50K or a 30K. And they're like, oh, gosh, that's, I can do that in my sleep. I'm like, well, excuse me. <laughs> but, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I recall, I think it was last year or so, you, you were putting in some pretty high, heavy mileage, and it was back-to-back. And the fact that you were able to do, like, 20, 20 milers back-to-back, right? I think you yes. did. And yep. I was just yeah. like, my goodness, I, I'm, do, I'm doing marathon training, and I'm – trying not to die just after a 20 and she goes out and, you know, pulls a, a, a two twenty miler back to back. So it's very impressive. So listen up, listen up on what she has to say right here. Thanks, Kathy. I guess I, I do want to say that I think running is running. This is something I say a lot. Mm-hmm. Running is running and mm-hmm. it's impressive no matter where you are, right? Just because it's longer doesn't make it better or more impressive it's just it's it's where you are and and what motivates you I think so having said that I will I would never tell somebody that 50k is not enough (laughs) if that is your challenge and 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 you want to go for it then then by all means go for it and if you never ever ever want to consider spending that much time running don't you don't have to if if uh, 10k is good then own it I guess I had reached a point where I had done, I don't even remember, maybe 12, 13, 14 full marathons and, you know, a variety of other distances. And I enjoyed the races and the training, but I think I reached a point where I wanted to be, I wanted the focus to be a little bit different. Um, running on trail to me feels like being a little kid playing outside, <laughs> or, you know, bounding through the woods. Um, you're not focused on some distant endpoint, right? When you run a road race, I think, you know, you show up and the goal is to get from the starting line to the finish line as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's not that trail running isn't that way, but there's more to it, right? There's more of a journey, I think, that takes place because mm-hmm. you are in the woods, you are 
um, at times close to people, right? Because you are are confined to a narrow trail. And so, you know, you're not as maybe spread out as you are in a road race. So there's a little bit more camaraderie and, and certainly a lot of community to it. So I had done a bunch of marathons and, you know, had really put a lot of pressure on myself to do all the speed work and to get faster and to beat this PR and that PR. And I think part of me wanted a break, you know, to stop the sort of road rat race in a way. Um, and, and I also kind of just wanted an excuse to spend more time on trails in the woods outside. And so I, and I guess on top of that too, I had been very fortunate to qualify and run the Boston marathon. And, um, and I had essentially learned how to run a marathon without bonking and, you know, falling apart at the end. And so Mm -hmm. it was also a a way to offer myself a new challenge. So here's something that I haven't been doing a lot of here. are Now these new distances that are available to me, a lot of, not all ultra marathons are are on trail, but a majority of them are. And so it just kind of also offered another set of challenges for me. And it was uh, my good friend, Liz Jones, who lives in Delaware. Well, she's in Maryland now, but (laughs) she was living in Delaware at the time. Uh, And I had just moved to Wisconsin, which is where I live now. And she, out of the blue, said, hey, do you want to run an ultra marathon with me? And I hadn't really at that point considered it and this was 2015 I hadn't really thought about running an ultra marathon but she asked and mailed me a training book and that was kind of that I thought sure why not she offered to come to Wisconsin and run the North Face uh, 50k and and so we made plans for that and she came out and we ran and I think as you mentioned Rob I, I did end up uh winning that race yeah, you which was that very was, <laughs> was very unexpected. Yeah, I guess I'm not the kind of person who shows up to a race thinking like I'm gonna win, I'm gonna crush the yeah. competition. I just show up and say I'm gonna hope for my best day, right? And as I mentioned earlier, I think for me, I have felt very fortunate that that more well many times my best day is is better than everyone else's best day. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I feel pretty lucky about that. Uh, I, I think it wouldn't matter, um, you know, if I was finishing 27th or 52nd or whatever, uh, it's still, um, I'm out there giving it my all, but yeah, it does, it does also feel nice to get out and, and hit the podium sometimes, but yeah, that's, that's what did it for me. And also I really enjoy running in wild places and in the mountains. And so becoming an ultra runner and a trail runner meant um, having a lot of excuses to plan vacations around trips to Colorado or (laughs) other really beautiful places. I I just might start getting into trail running now. (laughs) <laughs> pretty great <laughs> okay this is this is being recorded okay so if uh the next time i'd like to get hit the trails i'm gonna put up this podcast and remind rob <laughs> he says a lot You're... of things during well, our interview so, yeah I know. well so full disclosure the the thing that keeps me off the trails usually is i have a very bad sense of direction so i i'm always afraid i'm gonna get myself lost out there and not That's be able fair. to figure it out getting back but <laughs> I, I probably uh, need to set aside those fears and and just get out there. Now, I, I guess the reason I asked that question was um, I'm always curious about people's um, evolution when it comes to running, if if they've been running for, for quite a number of years, because I think it's different for, for everyone. 
And um, and like, as you said, there is no right or wrong way to do it, right? I think it's Mm -hmm. just what's right for you. And at least to date, your evolution has culminated to the 100 miler, I would say, at least in my opinion, (laughs) to the 100 miler (laughs) you you ran the Superior Trail Race, which was a 100 mile race last year. Can you share that experience? Because I would think that's a very different experience versus maybe even, you know, like a 50K or a marathon running 100 miles all at once. Rob, you are correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When I first started running ultras, I thought to myself, I have absolutely no interest in running 100 miles. Why would I run 100 miles? (laughs) That is so far. (laughs) Um, I can't wrap my mind around it. So I know, but I know of people that have done it and I've, I've watched, you know, I've watched YouTube videos of folks, um, kind of documenting that journey, which is incredible, but I still can't wrap my head around it. For what it's worth, I ran one and I still can't wrap my head around it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reason I decided to run a hundred miles is really kind of a vain one. Um, that particular race, the superior 100 is in Northern Minnesota, and it takes place, or it, it did last year, it took place on my birthday. And so it was oh. sort of a, hey, what a fun way to, fun. I, That's let's one way to celebrate for your that. birthday. Right. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just thought it sounded like an interesting challenge. And, and if I was going to do it, why not? Why not do it on my birthday? Oh, and quick fact. Kelly and I share a birthday. So I do have something in common with you. <laughs> and I can absolutely understand, you know, running on your birthday because, you know, I did a, a 40 miler for my 40th birthday. But yeah, 100. No, I'm, I'm not going there. But again, never say never, right? But I, I don't think so. Definitely I'll, leave, I'll leave it to, to individuals like yourself to, to carry that mileage. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I did one, and I said I probably don't need to do that again, and then promptly signed up for another one. So oh <laughs> that said, there are people who do like 200 plus mile races, and wow. I am still in the mindset of no way, no way. <laughs> so talk to me again in a year, but I don't see myself budging on that one. Um, yeah, so I I decided on the 100-mile race that I did because it was on my birthday and also because I live in the Midwest and it was nearby. Um, don't let the Midwest part of that fool you. I think a lot of people are shocked to hear that the 100-miler had 42,000 feet of elevation change. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, the Midwest is not all flat cornfields with cows. Um, <laughs> this takes place on the North Shore, uh, up and down bluffs. Uh, so I did 21,000 feet of climbing and 21,000 feet of descending, wow, which incredible. was, yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it is one of the more challenging 100-milers in the U.S., um, no women finished in under 24 hours this year. Uh, very few men also finished in under 24 hours. I say this year, what I mean is 2019, the last time the race was, was run. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, uh, somewhat foolishly optimistically set my sights on maybe hopefully a 24 hour finish. And that did not happen. Um, I had a very good race. I, I felt great from start to finish as great as you can for a hundred miles mm-hmm. of running um you know from first thing in the morning until you know midway through the next day um but a lot of people run into uh you know cramping issues or digestive issues and um and i didn't experience any of that i really just had a very solid 
race. Um, I had incredible support and I finished in just under 30 hours, um, which was good enough for fifth place. Wow. So I, I share that not to toot my own horn, but to say, you know, that's just how difficult that race is that, you yeah. know, despite it taking 30 mm-hmm. hours, I still finished, you know, in the top five. Um, but it was, it's a different sport. I don't even know if I can call it running, at least in my experience, it it just felt like a totally different animal. And I think a large part of that is because I relied so much on the support of other people to get through it. There are people who run unsupported hundred milers. You know, there are aid stations with volunteers, but they don't have any crew members or mm-hmm. pacers who accompany them. Um, I did not go that route. Um, my husband was uh, a very integral member of my crew getting from aid station to aid station and providing the assistance when I got into those areas. Um, and I also enlisted uh, a number of friends who met me at various places around the course as sanctioned by the, the race itself and ran stretches of the race with me. Um, you know, including a friend who had never trail run before joined me for the witching hour shift. I think he ran with me from about five thirty in the evening until probably three or four in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, another friend who, um, basically guided me through my, uh, my, the sunrise uh, on the next day and the really tough miles late in, in the game, you know, 72 or so to about 90. And, you know, really just kept me mentally focused and mentally sharp and, and moving forward and my spirits up. And uh, and then I, I had another friend join me at mile 90 or so, and I had helped him finish his first 100 miler last year. And so I thought it would be really special for for him to help me get to my first finish of mm-hmm. 100 miles. Um, and then I was able to have two pacers at the very end. So, so my husband jumped in uh, for the last uh, five or so miles. And, um, for me, it just felt like a real, um, community effort, right? It, it wasn't just me. I didn't show up at the start and get myself to the finish. I had all of these people backing me. And I, I think that was probably one of the most profound aspects of the experience for me and, and an unexpected one. I don't think as runners, we, running is often seen as a very solo pursuit and this was not by any means. Um, so it was pretty phenomenal. It was hard. My feet hurt really bad for about a week and my immune system rebelled and I got pretty sick for a few days. Um, but it was a really rewarding experience and I would do it again. Was there any time during the race where you thought you wouldn't be able to finish it? You know, I felt, I felt good the entire time and I, I, feel funny saying that because you know (laughs) a lot of people who run ultra long distances talk about you know hitting those low points and you know one of the the things that makes the the experience worthwhile is learning how to work through those and uh I guess I'm not going to say that everything was 100% wonderful all the time because that would be (laughs) dishonest Mm -hmm. but um but I I never really had a, a real significant low point and I don't know if some of it was mindset. Um, I had decided ahead of time that I was really going to practice some mindfulness mm-hmm. while racing um, and that I was not going to allow myself to think about 
how much more I had left or even what was behind me. I was really going to make a concerted effort to focus on the present. So checking in with myself right now, how are things now? Um, I did have to, of course, kind of anticipate and forecast my needs, right? I, there were multiple waypoints along the, the route, um, you know, aid stations where there were volunteers with food and supplies. And I had been able to drop bags ahead of time, which had, you know, fresh pair of socks, a new pair of shoes, you know, spare battery for the phone uh, or for my watch, um, you know, different food items that I maybe wanted to have in particular. And so, I, you know, I had to sort of think ahead. Uh, to anticipate those things. But, um, but I think being able to stay present was really helpful. There were definitely some times in the dead of the night that were trying, especially my legs started to feel very tired. And I really wanted to just sit down, but I knew I had to keep moving forward. And, and my friend Matt really helped power me through that stretch with really good conversation and, and, you know, reminders just to keep going. And I got to the aid station at, at mile 72 and I was able to sit down and eat a little bit of food. And that was enough. Um, I was able to get right back up and, and get out and go. Um, and then <laughs> I guess this might be evidence that that mindfulness tactic was both a, a wise one, but, but also didn't, completely stand up to the process because I basically reached, you know, mile 97 and mm -hmm. knew that I had uh, very little left to go. I will say the last seven miles, the, the race officially is 103.3 miles. So oh, they had to just, so they just had to add another, add another of three. course. Yes. Right. <laughs> 100 is not enough. Yeah. <laughs> and 103 is not enough. So, um, so, I think I hit that point where all of a sudden, you know, I had this, this distance that I could fathom in my mind, right? Like I knew what, I know what seven miles is. Seven miles is the distance I run commonly. And so that became a little bit challenging. I just kept thinking, when will this be done? You know, and, and part of it was that part of the course was more forested than other parts of the course. And so I couldn't really see ahead of me too far. And we were going uphills and downhills. And um, it just had this relentlessness to it that um, probably did ease up then in the last couple of miles. Because once I came down onto the logging road that I knew was the road that would eventually lead back to the, the finish line, um, then it got easier again. And I had been doing a lot of power hiking um, in those final miles. And I was able to run. I'm proud of this. I was able to run like straight through the last two miles. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of people may think, well, look, it's only two more miles, but no, gosh, after a hundred, it's going to feel like it's, it was 50. <laughs> and I'm so glad you, you mentioned that it was 103 because I, I recall reading your very vivid and eloquent um, post-race report. Um, when I got to that point where I was like, oh, she's she's almost there. She's at 97. And then you wrote 103. And I'm like, oh, my God, my, <laughs> my feet just started aching just reading that report for you. So, my goodness, that's that's phenomenal. That's a great, I think, lesson for us is to not dwell. I think you're never going to completely not think about the pain or no matter what you're going through. I think not dwelling on on it is is a great lesson here with respect to your mindset and then i think also just being okay to sometimes you you're not going to be perfect at it and you know you kind of allowed yourself to to feel that mm -hmm. those last miles i certainly did <laughs> <laughs>
So Kathy alluded to your race reports, because not only do you uh, run ultra marathons and, and win races, but you also write a beautiful blog about your life and running and on your website, catintheprairie.com. And I think being a science writer and former uh, writer for the Delaware News Journal, I think it's probably safe to assume you also love to write. But what made you decide to openly share your life through a blog? That's, that's a good question. Um, I think that I do something that is run, run long distances that probably seems fairly unattainable or intimidating to a lot of people. And I want to share my experience so that if it does motivate or inspire somebody or touch them in some way, you know, maybe they feel like they can go out and, and do something, whether that's running or, you know, walking or biking a certain distance or, or setting their sights on a new climb. You know, I, I guess I hope that by sharing some of my experiences, it, it makes it easier for somebody else to see themselves doing whatever it is that, that motivates them. You know, I think I'm pretty passionate about, um, about doing what I can to help elevate others. And so sharing my experiences is one way for me to do that. I think it's not easy for us to kind of share our vulnerabilities. And just from reading some of your posts, you know, you're not afraid to lay it out there. And I think like Kathy, Kathy said, she can kind of feel uh, like she's experiencing it with you which yeah. you know which i think is very powerful and the photos that you add to your posts also kind of helps with that now like i was telling rob before um even doing this interview i said you know kelly's one of those people who you know like i said she goes out on a run she never posts about how long she goes or how short she goes out for but she'll take these very intentional photos or, or candid photos and then she'll just put one or two words or a sentence or two. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm fangirling <laughs> you right now, but <laughs> I'm like, I just get so mesmerized by her writing. And then I look at the photos that you post and I'm just like, gosh, I'm right there with her. So even though, you know, we we're, we're more acquaintances via virtual world. Um, I feel like a lot of times when I, when I get to your page, I'm, I'm right there with you, you know, sorry, little fangirling. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Kathy. I, I think that is part of it, right? And it, it like warms my heart to hear that because if I can bring other people along on my journey, I, I want to, I want to try. And so it means a lot to me to hear that I am accomplishing that for you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, Rob asked earlier about what got me into running and, you know, running in a way is, is my way of processing a lot of the world. Um, and being able to take pictures and visually share some of that is something I enjoy doing. And it's something that's important to me. Um, and I think oftentimes that does mix with whatever it is that's kind of swimming through my mind, you know, the thoughts that I've been chewing on while I'm out. Um, and so, yeah, being able to visually share that and, and, ex and express myself, you know, maybe running is my form of expression. <laughs> and uh, I can carry that over into social media or into some mm -hmm. of the, the posts that I write. Uh, so besides your, your running accomplishments, the thing I think that amazes me most about you is that you've 
battled through, you know, injuries, uh, health issues, and and as you shared in your um, your post that you shared with We Run with you, kind of possibly an unhealthy relationship with running and and with food at some, at one point in your life. Can you share with us, you know, to the extent that you're comfortable, you know, those challenges and how you've been able to overcome them? Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm a-okay talking about it. I blogged about it. <laughs> I put it out to the world. Um, you know, I, I got my start running after, you know, dealing with a, a pretty significant life change, right? Uh, breakup six months before a wedding is, is fairly traumatic, uh, I suppose. Um, I was young and um, had not really experienced anything that significant in my life to that point. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was like having the rug pulled out from underneath me and, and everything was turned upside down for a little while. And I was very fortunate that, um, I was able to write things pretty quickly and that I had a very good, uh, friend base and a good job and supportive family. And, um, you know, really was able to sort of steer the ship back on the right course. And, and, you know, I think about this sometimes that, you know, sometimes people have these really uh, challenging moments and, and you reach that fork in the road where you can make one decision or the other. And, and my decision was, was running and, and it really set me on track for dealing with a lot of my pain in a healthy way. And I feel very fortunate for that. It's, it's definitely completely changed the trajectory of my life relative to where I was before. Um, but it did fuel, uh, what was probably, you know, disordered eating and, and body image that I'd been dealing with for a long time. Um, I had struggled probably in late elementary school into middle school with body image issues and, uh, to the point where my, my mom threatened to bring me to the doctor if I didn't gain weight and, you know, put me on the, a special diet. And fortunately, um, I really avoided the, you know, the, the worst sort of potential outcomes of that, but, you know, had kind of struggled with image mm-hmm. issues for a while. I, I would say becoming a soccer player, becoming an athlete really helped a lot because I realized that, you know, food is fuel. And if I want to perform well, I need to eat. And so, you know, it kind of, I think, was not a real significant uh, issue in my life uh, until that breakup when, um, you know, I, I lost five or so pounds in the week after the breakup, just kind of in the fog of, of, uh, of the grief. And, um, and that coincided with me also starting running in that same time period. And so my body started to change pretty quickly. You know, I was developing musculature in places I didn't have it and, and I was losing even more weight and I was uh, receiving a lot of attention from uh, men and women. And that felt very good. And, you know, having gone through a challenging experience that I was not in control of, that was then something that I could be in control of. Um, and so, all of that kind of got wrapped up into these unhealthy behaviors where I was restricting my diet, um, running a lot and eating very little. And, um, I think I recognized it, but I didn't want to actually acknowledge it. And so I was able to, to pretend it wasn't a problem for a long time. Um, 
my mother got pretty upset. She came to visit me while I was living in Philadelphia and, you know, she talked about how thin I was and, and I just kind of brushed her off. But, um, I started losing my hair and oh, <laughs> nothing wow. like a little bit of vanity to <laughs> convince <laughs> you that maybe you have a problem. Um, and so I actually just came across this recently, the email I wrote to a doctor I had seen when I was a, a student at the University of Pennsylvania. He had gone into private practice and I had really liked him when he was at Penn and I had been dealing with, with what I knew to be a, an issue, you know, with my eating, but again, wasn't really openly acknowledging it and I hadn't really had much look with other doctors. I went to a doctor to see why my hair was falling out. Right. And I, I could hear the doctor and the, the medical assistant, like whispering about eating disorders and, mm -hmm. and they ultimately came in and told me, Oh no, something else is going on. And, and I knew that they were wrong, but <laughs> so I found an email that I wrote to this doctor basically, which I think was my, my attempt to, to finally get somebody to tell me, you know, what you're doing is not healthy and you need to stop. So, um, I did see him. He basically wrote me, this is my joke, he wrote me a prescription for, um, you know, a candy bar and ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I won't say that, you know, that was a, a complete turning point, but it certainly did change um, the way I thought about food and, um, and wanting to be healthy. Um, unfortunately, in 2011, late 2011, I did suffer a stress fracture in my right hip. And it turns out that my bone density was very low. Um, I was 28 at the time, which is about when I should have been at my peak bone density. And it was likely because of, of restricting my eating for as long as I had. And I probably still was just not as severely at that point. And that was a real wake up call, right? Yeah. Fracturing your hip is not, um, <laughs> it's yeah, not it's normal. Not insignificant. <laughs> and it's not insignificant. True. And it really, um, I wasn't able to run for, Gosh, I was able to start running on a, an ultra G treadmill, like the weightless treadmill about five months after, um, after the fracture happened. Oh, wow. And so, time, yeah. yeah, I was on crutches. I couldn't do any weight bearing, you know, all of my metabolic energy had to go into, um, into healing my bones. So I wasn't even allowed to do like pull-ups or, you know, upper body exercises. And so, you know, it's really, really disruptive to my way of life and definitely a, a pretty significant sign that I had a very unhealthy relationship with, with my body. Um, so between that and then uh, being referred to a nutritionist who helped me develop some better, better eating behaviors, um, it's been much better. But yeah, I know that it's something that a lot of people struggle with. I think runners are are good at being competitive about lots of things, including, <laughs> you know, how well they're controlling their diets or the the number they see on the scale. So, you know, that was something that I decided to share because uh, because I know other people do struggle with it. And I also worry sometimes that it can be easy to look at just the positive successes that you see people share and think that, you know, oh, that person must be very lucky or, you know, they just have everything together and everything's okay. And I thought it was important to share that, uh, you know, that struggle is a, is a part of my life too. Um, and open up dialogue in case anybody else wanted to share and they did which you know was private but uh you know i appreciated the opportunity to to connect with people on on something they were struggling with or had been struggling with that's definitely something that we you know one of our 
goals with We Run With You, and I think ultimately with this podcast is to, just what you said, is to be able to share different people's stories of struggle and how they've overcome it. Because when you're kind of in the thick of that, you know, so that's what we hope for our listeners and our readers is if and when they find themselves in that situation to not feel alone and also to not feel like they're somehow inadequate or not would not be able to make it through through the other side which you know examples like yours i think gives folks hope inspiration and kind of some guidance on maybe how can i think about these situations that that can help push me through it so definitely appreciate you sharing that story i appreciate you putting this show on and and giving people a platform too because i think it's it is important what do you think was an important factor of you kind of getting through through that and i think even even now right, it's not it's not like uh you make it through um, all your training and all your your racing through the year without um setbacks i know i think recently you had a pulmonary emboli which i'm not mm-hmm. sure what that is and i think just maybe coming out of um you pushing yourself so much with your running but i i'm just curious kind of what what factors do you think help you through that and moving forward and moving moving on with your life (laughs) i will say that developing the stress fracture in my hip was a real struggle for me uh i was not the easiest person to be around i think for the (laughs) the months of my recovery um in retrospect i feel very badly for my husband and my stepson who had to live with you know i I was probably a little depressed um Uh you know my husband bought me a book on triathlons because i could start swimming first before i could do any other activity and then i could add biking and he thought oh well you're swimming and you're biking so next is running and then you can do a triathlon (laughs) Which is, you know, a very sweet thought. Um, and he tried to encourage me to to spend the time I would have been spending running, doing other things that were important to me, you know, catching up with friends and reading and other kinds of uh, more creative pursuits. And I just was very apathetic about all of it. So, you know, probably I probably was a little bit depressed and, and I didn't know that at the time. Um, and so I, I will not say that my uh, recovery through that process was in and of itself beautiful (laughs) i was not the the model of uh stoicism but um but i think it often isn't right right but it did teach me to um to think of myself more holistically uh right uh my nutrition obviously was was an important aspect of my running um my bone health overall was a, a an important aspect of my running it did teach me to be less intense I think about my pursuit and that probably played into my decision to to become a trail runner too is the the change in mindset but yeah I think it, it taught me patience um there was when you have a significant injury like that you worry that you'll never come back and be the same athlete you were before and that wasn't the case for me. I came back much stronger, you know, possibly because I was eating more and, and, you know, metabolically able to, to add more activity, but also just, again, being more holistic, being less intense, taking more recovery and rest days, sleeping more, you know, all of those things. But, you know, I think this is where running and life kind of both play off one another, right? Running is part of life, obviously, but I, I am often seeing life lessons in running, um, and vice versa. And I think, you know, what some of the hardships 
have taught me is, you know, you can put your head down and just keep going. You will struggle. It will be difficult, but you've got people around you who are there to provide assistance when you need it. And, uh, you know, what's bad right now will be better in, you know, tomorrow or next week or next month. But, you know, you just have to you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I think we can sort of guess from um, our conversations so far, but I know you you have a way with words and maybe you can can sum it up somehow. But what has running meant to your life and how do you think you've been able to use it as a vehicle for good? (laughs) Yeah, uh, running is... For me, a very profound way of moving through the world, right? We're all on this planet. <laughs> we get up every day and we take care of our children or our pets or ourselves. We go to work if we have work. Um, we care for sick parents or, or, you know, the community in need. And, you know, for me, running is... I think, as I said earlier, just a way of expressing myself. It's a way of being out in nature. It's a way of experiencing, you know, the change of seasons. It's become a part of my lifestyle in that I will, when I have an office to go to, when we're not in the midst of a pandemic and I'm working from home, I will sometimes run to work or run home from work or both. So it's, you know, a means of transportation at times. Um, and it's sort of the the nexus of my social life at this point. I mean, a lot of my close friends are runners or people who go for runs with me, whether or not they consider themselves runners. Um, and some of that is out of, out of necessity. I do spend, you know, many hours a week running. And if I want to have a healthy social life, you know, the, the two of those things probably need to overlap at some level. Um, but I really think the community of runners has enriched my life quite a bit. And, um, you know, I couldn't imagine not having it in my life. But I also think that uh, being a runner is a reminder of my privilege. I recognize that not everybody is able to do it for physical reasons, uh, potentially, or because they live in an area where uh, it's just not safe to go out and run, or maybe they are working multiple jobs to, you know, feed a family. Um, I grew up with a single mother and, and that was certainly, you know, her circumstances were, were to show up to work and, and earn ends meet and, and, uh, and then provide for my brother and me. So, you know, running certainly wasn't a part of any lifestyle she could have entertained. And, and obviously with, uh, a lot of recent events coming to light. Um, you know, you look at people who like Ahmad Arbery, who, you know, became a victim simply for running while being black. So, you know, running certainly is uh, a pursuit of privilege. It is unlike many other physical activities, doesn't require a lot of expensive equipment, but it's certainly not a free endeavor either. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that I try to keep that in mind as well. And maybe that's part of why I say, you know, running is running because just because I am capable of running a hundred miles doesn't mean you should feel ashamed that you aren't or you are not interested. So. Uh, and I think anytime we're, we're able to get out there and run, uh, we should definitely feel privileged. Yeah, certainly we should enjoy ourselves, but I think it's it is important to recognize that yeah, it's not it's not something that everyone has the ability to do. 
Um, you were supposed to run, I think a few weeks ago, a 50-miler race, which obviously um, did not happen. But you chose to run anyway on your own, <laughs> I think, to raise awareness and funds for local charities and to help out those affected by the pandemic. What made you decide, one, to still go ahead and, and run? Because, frankly, I, I was like, when my events got canceled, I was like... <laughs> He was I so got, happy. I don't. I don't. I, no, I don't have to stress out about training, but um, you know, especially you know, a fifty miler just to go out there and run run on your own is not something very, I think very many people would just choose to do. And and you know, doing it for for good, I think, says a lot. But can you share why, um, kind of why you decided to do that? Yeah. How did it go? How did it go? I guess also. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're right. I was supposed to run the Ice Age 50 mile on uh, May 9th. It is one of the longest running ultra marathons in the country. And I think this is the first time in 35 or so years that uh, it hasn't been run on that weekend in May. Um, and it's a race that um, at least some of the proceeds go to support the the local nonprofit that maintains our very incredible system of trails here. Um we have a, a trail system called the Ice Age Trail, and it runs along the whole um, boundary of where the last glacier sat on top of the state. And so it's a, a pretty unique feature of Wisconsin. Um, and it runs, I'm going to get this wrong, it's roughly a thousand miles long. Oh, wow. So um, not all of it is trail. Some of it is like the side of the highway, but they're working on connecting as many <laughs> uh, of the trail segments as possible. But you know, so the race was supposed to happen. Um, I had actually been out for a run with two good friends the day that we all stopped and signed up together in the very short registration window because it fills up in about an hour. It's a pretty popular race. Um, and so, you know, it being canceled was, was a bummer, but, um, you know, it was kind of okay to be able to set training aside. <laughs> I can identify sometimes, Rob. <laughs> I, I enjoy running and I, I run almost every day, about six days a week. Um, but, you know, sometimes not have any anything to train for is nice. So it basically, once the race got canceled, I, I basically stopped training, but I, I kept running. I was probably putting in usually between 45 and 50 miles a week, which is, you know, sort of a good baseline mileage for me every week. Um, if I'm training for a 50 miler, I probably will do several weeks of, you know, 60 to 75 mile uh, per week runs, but, um, but I didn't do any of that because I didn't have to, but, uh, as May approached, I began sort of chewing over the idea of going and running 50 miles anyway. And part of it was because there's potentially races happening in the fall and it would be a good way to sort of check my fitness and, and give myself a good sort of, um, goalpost. But I also was kind of curious what it would be like to run 50 miles without having done the real dedicated training that I had done before. Ultra marathoning is different from marathoning, right? Marathon training is very precise. You do specific workouts at specific times to hopefully peak on the day of your race. And ultra marathoning is is far less precise, where it's mostly, you know, how much endurance space do you have and can you add a little bit of speed to that and then get through the distance? Um, and so, you know, I've always been pretty dedicated in my training and I was just curious what it would be like, which sounds crazy. Like, what is it like to run 50 miles without training? And then 
and then my husband had a really good idea because I said, you know, I want to do this 50 miles, but you know, it feels, it feels like an odd thing to do right now, right? When we are in the midst of this pandemic and people are not working and people are sick and people are dying, um, you know, and here I am in, in my position of privilege where I still have a job. I'm working from home. I'm healthy. Um, I have been very fortunate not to know anybody who has been very significantly impacted by by the pandemic, by the virus. And I said, you know, I, I think I would like to do it to raise money, but I, you know, I don't know how I would choose. There are so many different nonprofits that are doing important work right now to help people. And he came up with this idea of, well, I guess I should back up. Um, I had decided that I would run on the, on the cross country trails. So the trailhead where the ice age 50 mile race starts are actually uh, cross country ski trails. And then you run those to the ice age trail system. And then it's an out and back, back to the, the, uh, cross country trails and then another out and back on the ice age trail. And then you finish, but the cross country ski trails themselves, there are a network of loops. It would be very difficult for you to get lost, Rob. <laughs> just a loop. Okay, sign them up next year. <laughs> okay. Um, so they are also wide. So, um, you know, something that, that I was important to me was to follow public health guidance, right? Uh, we had mm. had a safer at home order implemented in our state. So we weren't uh, supposed to be traveling and we weren't supposed to be, you know, doing much outside of our homes. Um, exercise was considered essential activity. So we were permitted to do that. And, you know, also we're all trying to maintain social distance. And, um, and so I wanted to run within the, the constraints of, of the virus and public health guidance. And so I realized if I ran loops on these cross country trails, I could put in a quantifiable amount of distance. I could decide on a number of loops and complete them. And if at any point I just wasn't feeling up for it, I could stop. Um, I could maintain my own aid station at my car <laughs> so <laughs> that, uh, you know, at, at, with each loop I could replenish my food and water. Um, and then because the trails are wide, I could keep distance from other people. And that's when my husband had the very good idea to basically dedicate a loop to a different nonprofit. So each loop mm -hmm. corresponded to a different nonprofit. And that was, I thought, really genius because it allowed me to recognize and try to raise awareness and, and money for several nonprofits. And then also it was a motivation for me because, you know, if I got through three loops and I was thinking, oh, I, I'm pretty tired and I'm not sure I want to do loops four and five, well, then I'd have to reckon with the fact that I was leaving out nonprofits from this opportunity. So, um, so it was a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. I have to say your, your husband is brilliant for that idea. He is. <laughs> he is wonderful. And he, even better than that, he is a mountain biker. He runs too, but mountain biking and cycling is, is his real passion. And there are mountain bike trails across the street from these, uh, the cross country ski trails. So he did 50 miles of mountain biking oh, in wow. between my loops. So he'd go, do a, a loop on the mountain bike trails and then come back and he would show up at the car and ask if I needed anything. And, and he was just incredibly supportive while also getting in his own activity. So, so it was, it was a, pretty great. It was a win-win. 
it was definitely a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I will say that it was not nearly as challenging as I thought it could be, um, despite my relative lack of training um, and running by myself. I've never run that far or that long by myself before. I've always been in a race setting or with other people. Um, and it was really nice, actually. It was it was very uh, – it was an opportunity to really be in my own head and um, – I could prepare for each loop. I knew it was coming. And I was also thinking about, you know, the nonprofits and, and, you know, I had come up with a plan ahead of time for whom I wanted to highlight and what I wanted to say, but it gave me an opportunity to kind of chew through some of it. And, you know, at the end of every loop, I would po- put up my, uh, my Instagram post and share it to Facebook. Um, and I had some very uh, uh, generous um, local Instagram accounts allowed me to take over. One of them is Madison Trail Runners, which is our local trail running group. Um, and then the other one is Wazell, Wisconsin, which is a uh, local chapter of a national women's running team. And so, you know, everything I was doing, I was also able to amplify through those channels and reach more people. So that was pretty great. And then one of our local running stores, Move and Shoes, also was, was sharing my posts as well. So, so that felt great. And again, it, it help make it feel like a community effort and then it gave me the opportunity along the way to come up with silly things to do like at the 26 mile 26.2 mile mark I did a silly dance and I celebrated at 50k so it I I just tried to make it fun and it was and it went really well I felt great (laughs) well I had I had a fun time when I got the chance to see you live a couple of times on there and yeah, and, I, and I'm glad you brought that up in terms of the organizations, like if you were to skip a loop or, you know, that that particular organization wouldn't be mentioned or, or um, benefit from the good that you were doing out there. And, uh, you know, I, I would have to say that, you know, a lot of times I think, you know, when you're running for, for good or running for a cause, you know, each mile just seems so much more meaningful. And I think I know that's what pushes me when I when I train. And so I, I typically like to, you know, marathon train and pick a, a charity or, or join a group to to run for a particular cause. Because, you know, when you there, as you know, there are days when we tip, we're just like, gosh, I don't, I don't want to go out there. And, and I just want to rest. <laughs> I just want to take a little break. And then you think about, again, you know, those that couldn't, um, that can't run and the privilege that you have to be out there and be able to you know just freely lace up and take a you know nice stroll or jaunt or hard run whatever it is so it's 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 great that you know I I I love the fact that you did it and and it was brilliant yes it it, you have to give it all to your husband it was a brilliant idea to showcase um a lot of these nonprofit and um businesses that that benefited from what you you did so Thank yeah, you. he even sat down with me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. He sat down with me and, and uh, you know, I kind of keep, he said, well, find the ones that you want. And mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked about him and he helped me narrow it down because it was hard. It was hard to pick. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'll have to do it again. <laughs> Before we close every podcast, I ask all our guests some rapid fire questions. If you're up for it. I'm up, I'm up for it. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> so when you run, would you say you're running from something or towards something? Oh, for me, definitely towards something. I have towards joy. When is your favorite time to run? 
<laughs> uh, are we talking time of day or season or uh, both? <laughs> let's start with time of day. Sure. Uh, my favorite time of day to run is any time I can get out. <laughs> oh. I, no, I lead a, a fairly busy life. No, if I had my, if I, if it were up to me, I would run mid morning or mid afternoon, but it's usually at the, the whim of my, uh, my work and social schedule. So how about time of year? Oh, I, oh gosh, I love the fall. I love fall running. Um, but I also love winter running because it's very magical here in the Midwest with all of the snow. We are twins. <laughs> I love, I love winter running because the heat and the humidity just melts me. And then, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, getting out there early in the morning, get it, get it done. I'm like, no and then when you said mid-morning to afternoon I'm like yes <laughs> she understands <laughs> we are we are on the same wavelength yeah uh, where would you say is your quote-unquote happy place hmm. I guess anywhere outside <laughs> I love fair. being outside yeah uh, what advice would you give someone just finishing high school or college, trying to figure out what they want to do with or what they're going to do with their life? That is a great question. Uh, I think my biggest piece of advice is don't feel like you have to have it all figured out right now. That was me. I thought I needed to have everything, you know, laid out ahead of me and, and have all these goals and, and go after them. And I've had uh, at this point a lot of a lot of false starts and uh a lot of a lot of things happened in life that at the time seemed pretty devastating. I think we talked about my breakup. I was laid off from the newspaper. And every time one of those things happened, new opportunities made themselves available to me. And uh, I'm very grateful for where I am now. And it I've taken a very meandering path. So that is my biggest piece of advice. Just, you know, let things happen. Set your sights on things. Work towards your goals. But, um, but know that that it doesn't all have to work out the way you think it, it will, and you will be okay. Is there anything else that you wanted to kind of get into? Any question we didn't, we didn't ask that maybe you were hoping to get into? Yeah, I guess right now with what we're seeing happen across the country, having conversations about, uh, you know, the way people of color have experienced the world in the United States there's been a lot with how people of color experience the outdoors. Those are conversations that I have followed for a while, I think fully because I've, I've had the opportunity to uh, attend films and, and talks and, and events with, you know, Myrna Valerio, who is a, a African-American woman who runs ultra marathons and, and she does it with such uh, joy and aplomb. She's just so fun to see as one example, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot more about what role I play in the community of people that I know in um, helping make people of color feel more welcome outdoors um, and uh, how we might be able to, to act differently to, um, to create more space for people. And I think that's, you know, it's obviously something a lot of us are thinking about and, it's not, I guess, wholly disconnected from the 50-mile 
run that I did where, you know, I was thinking about my privilege and I was thinking about um, people hurting because of the pandemic. You know, there are obviously people who have been hurting just for uh, existing (laughs) for a long time. And so I'm interested in continuing to think and act in ways that help create more inclusion in the outdoors. Yes, that's something I think, you know, even running can still use some diversity, right? I think, or there's still opportunity for, for diversity. And just to, to think about how we can we can promote that, I think, is very important because sometimes we we lose track of that. You know, we get so focused on, on our own running, you know, being it being an individual pursuit that um, that we really can open it up to more more people and and think about how we, we can do that so that I'm glad you brought that up and I don't know if uh, enough people are thinking about that so thank you yeah yeah thanks for the chance to say something it certainly has been a great experience talking to you and getting to to know you a bit I think you've inspired me to um, not only maybe try out uh, trail running but I think also be more mindful and maybe use writing a bit also to to get into my head or out of my head <laughs> and using running as an opportunity to, to be able to think through a lot of um, not only what we're going through, but um, just how we can meander through life. Just kind of reading, not only reading some of your, your posts, but also hearing your stories here today kind of inspires me to to look more inward and, and maybe share more of uh, of my experiences. So thank you. Well, thank you. That is so great to hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, that I could help inspire that. And also Kathy, you have them on the record. So yes, <laughs> I was going to say, if I get lost, it's on you guys. Uh, you have to send somebody out to find me. <laughs> just need to put a homing beacon on him or something. Yeah, I, I know <laughs> I'm going to need some sort of tracking device to put on him. <laughs> But it's, you know, I, I'm just really thrilled. I was, I, I've been, uh, as I said before, you know, big fan of yours. Um, wish we lived a little closer. So at Me least too. I could tag along on some of your, uh, your jaunt out in the woods. Um, but yes, thank you so much for making the time for us and just so candidly sharing your thoughts and views and, you know, just a part of you. So I, I really appreciate that. And can and keep up with the um, the post because you know, like I said, that's I feel like I'm right there with you. Well, I certainly will. Thank you, Kathy, <laughs> and thank you both. I think this was I really enjoyed the conversation. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. We will have Kelly's social media information on our show notes, and we will catch you on the next one. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes and sharing this podcast. You can find show notes and other episodes, as well as articles from Kelly and many of our contributors on werunwithyou.org. We are at We Run With You on Instagram and Facebook. Kelly is at PrairieCat7 on Instagram and at Kelly Peril on Twitter. And you do yourself a favor by checking out her blog at www.catintheprairie.com. You're welcome. Until next time, keep doing good.